Before we begin our Torah study this morning, let's pray together. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who sanctifies us with his commands and commands us to engross ourselves in the words of Torah. Amen. I want to talk this morning about an important concept that is sort of revealed in the experience of Moses that we read about this week. It's, It's the idea of unchaining our futures. Now, I'm using that in sort of a descriptive way because what we see is that Moses loses sight of his future. He loses sight and he gets trapped in the situation that, that he's experiencing and trapped even in his own solutions. Maybe you've been in a situation where you feel trapped. Anybody looking for ways out of the, some of the situations that they're in? You know, you can get really desperate when, you f- when what traps you is your own plan and your own solutions. There are circumstances, there are needs, there are responsibilities, and especially if you rate high on conscientiousness as a trait, it can be easy to be trapped because you're not someone who gives up, you're not someone who just quits, and you may continue no matter what until you have lost sight of your future. The children of Israel, as we've been reading about in Exodus, have been set free from slavery. But you know, it takes a long time to get slavery out of the children of Israel. And even though Moses had spent 40 years outside of Egypt and had not been a slave in Egypt, he found that his own future was still enslaved. I was thinking about how unpopular he was. You know, right now we think of Moses, oh, what a great guy. And his, his words, his life, his teachings, the scriptures that came from his hand from God uh, are, are still having an impact on all of us today. That's why we read from Torah. And the Torah is the foundation of all the scriptures. So he's still having an impact, but remember when the children of Israel were trapped at the Red Sea? And there was the Sea of Reeds in front of them, the Egyptians behind them, and yes, the, the cloud, the, the cloud from the Lord was standing between the children of Israel and the uh, Egyptian army, but there was no way out. There was no way forward, and no one in their right mind would have chosen to be there. And everyone was terrified. And the response of the children of Israel was to blame Moses for all this. And there's one statement that they make. It's sort of ascribed to all of them saying this. Didn't we tell you to leave us alone? We told you it would have been better to stay in Egypt. And now what have you done to us? And so Moses goes from that time, probably the most unpopular person 
in among the children of Israel. And then something happens. Remember, God gives instruction. He says, this is what I'm going to do because I've got a plan. Here's the plan. The Lord says, I'm going to send a wind through the night. I'm going to part the waters. I'm going to dry the seabed and then you'll walk through and you'll get to the other side and the Egyptians who are in pursuit of you will not be able to follow you. You'll never see them again. And that's in fact what happens. The children of Israel pass through, they cross over and then the Egyptian army tries to do the same. The waters come down and not one of the Egyptians made it to the other side. And the children of Israel get to the other side and they're all song and dance now. <laughs> Happy day. Happy days are here again, folks. And the children of Israel are singing and Miriam's playing the tambourine. That is the one practice we don't have in the congregation. <laughs> yes, in deference to the skilled musicians, the congregants do not bring their tambourines and play on a different rhythm. <laughs> right, Eric? <laughs> That's right, yeah. So, yeah, it's biblical, so if you wanna go through the Sea of Reeds and play the tambourine on the other side, you are encouraged to do so. Don't bring your tambourines here. <laughs> Just a word in support of the musicians. But the children of Israel get to the other side and now they're praising God and they're so happy, but we learn something from this experience and from others. And that is that miracles are important, they're necessary, but they rarely change people's character. They may change their situation, they may change their life condition, but character is formed over time and it requires many consistent actions and internalizing important values and truths and making choices. Character uh, builds slowly and miracles as a rule, even though they can be life-changing, may only contribute a little bit to character formation. It takes time for character to be developed. And so knowing that, it's not long after this miracle that there's more problems. In fact, there are lots of problems. In fact, I want you to turn to Exodus chapter 18 because something extraordinary has happened and Moses is now the most popular person in Israel. Here's, here's the, the sad aspect to it. He's the most popular person with people who have big problems with people who have disputes and conflicts with each other. And everybody who's battling and disputing with others wants a piece of Moses. And so they, they stand in line all day if necessary, day after day, in order to get the opportunity to present their case to Moses, and Moses will judge, they hope, on their behalf. And so that's the background. Now, right before we read in Exodus chapter 18, verse 13, uh, this passage, Moses connects with his father-in-law Yithro or Jethro and tells him about the great things that the Lord has done. But now, now verse 13, it's a new day 
And this is how it begins. The following day, Moses sat to settle disputes for the people. While the people stood around Moses from morning until evening. And when Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, saw all that he was doing to the people. Isn't that an interesting phrase? Doing to the people. Not doing for the people. Doing to the people. He said, what is this that you're doing to the people? It's interesting. Jethro didn't say, man, you are a martyr. Or you're a hero. Or what a work ethic you have. He says, what on earth are you doing to everyone? And then Jethro asks a question to Moses. Why do you sit there all by yourself with all the people standing around you from morning until evening? (laughs) Now, obviously, Jethro doesn't think this is a good idea. But Moses thinks it's necessary. And in fact, he thinks it's the only way he can do what needs to be done. He's, he's got this situation, now everybody wants to come to him. Everyone's got problems, and he can answer them. He can do this. And so he gives what he thinks is an obvious answer. He says, well, it's because the people come to me seeking God's guidance. Jethro, you should know that. Whenever they have a dispute, it comes to me. I judge between one person and another, and I explain to them God's laws and his teachings. And Moses' father-in-law says to him, and this is so succinct, isn't it? What you are doing is not good. In Hebrew, it's more like this. What you do, not good. Not good. And he explains why. You will certainly wear yourself out. And not only yourself, but these people here with you as well. The first reason it's not good is because you can't keep doing this. It's not going to work. You're going to wear out. And the people with you are going to wear out. And so whatever you think is going to happen, let me explain it to you, you're going to fail, it's only a matter of time. There's going to be a time when you can't do this anymore. And Moses hasn't been thinking about that, he's so conscientious. I mean, some of, some of you have been in situations, some of you are in situations now where you just have to keep on keeping on. You have to keep doing what you're doing. Mothers sometimes feel this way, mothers of newborns. I just have to keep going. Some people have jobs and responsibilities where you wake up in the morning and you say, ugh, and then you force yourself to go and do what has to be done. How many can relate to this? or you're in an academic program. I mean, maybe you're a teacher, and you've got students. You got those kinds of students where you wake up in the morning, it's like, oh, no, not again. Reminds me of this young boy we knew. He would watch uh, Bambi on video. 
And every time he washed it, he expected something different. And when Bambi's mother got shot, he would throw his hands over his face and say, oh no, not again. <laughs> and some of us, we're like this kid and every day we, we get up and we're hoping against hope, but we keep doing what we think we must be doing. And especially those who are conscientious. You can be vulnerable to this. But I can tell you this, when you burn out, when your health breaks down, when you don't take care of everything that you need to take care of, and when you wear out, or when the people wear out, or when you all wear out together, you won't keep doing what you were doing. And so what was unthinkable before now becomes necessary. Moses has a future, but he doesn't even see the future right now. The future is in, enslaved. The future is chained up. And Moses isn't thinking about the future that God has in mind for him. He's not even thinking about the future he has in mind for him. I'm not talking about even Moses' dreams or his hopes. I'm talking about the Lord's plan the Lord's dreams, the Lord's ideas for Moses. Moses isn't paying attention to God's future for him or for Israel. He's just doing what he thinks he has to do. And really, he's just working his own plan. If you've ever made a plan that requires great sacrifice and commitment, and then you do it, you may feel trapped in the same way. You may feel there's no way out. And Jethro, who did not make the plan and doesn't think it's a good plan, does think there's a way out. So really the future, this is what I want to say, the future of Moses and of Israel is in chains. And it needs to be unchained before it's too late. You will certainly, for sure you will wear yourself out and not only yourself, but these people here with you. It's too much for you. You can't do it alone by yourself. And Moses is thinking, I have to do it because the people can't do it. I was thinking of how Jethro might have approached him if he was a mercy giver, the way we think of those people. You know, there are some people who just feel bad for anybody who's feeling bad. And we need those people in the world, but God made more than those people because we need more than that. And there are times when we don't need someone coming to us and saying, Poor Moses, poor Moses, I feel bad for you. Now we need to learn to cry together and weep together at genuine times of sorrow. But what Moses needed was not that kind of compassion, he needed a solution. Because compassion of that kind, oh, you're working so hard, oh, this is so difficult oh, I feel for you, that would have just caused Moses to keep doing what he was doing. 
which means Moses would surely have worn out as would the people. It wasn't a solution. So Jethro comes and says, verse 19, listen to me to what I have to say. Listen to me. I will give you some advice and God will be with you. I'm going to tell you what to do and God will help you. So this is part of unchaining the future for Moses because God has a plan, but Moses is, is trapped in the solution that he himself has created and he can't get out. He's stuck. I have to do it. It's obvious. Well, it's not. It's not necessary. This is what Jethro says. You should represent the people before God and you should bring their cases to God. That's an important reorientation because Moses was letting the people represent themselves and their cases to him and he was bearing the weight of them. But Jethro says, you need to turn that around and pray for the people. Know about their situation so that you can pray for them in and their situations. Represent them before God. Verse 20, you should also teach them God's instructions, his teachings and laws and commandments and show them how to live their lives and what work they should do. This is interesting. People have responsibility. They have to learn how to live. They have to learn how to live together. Verse 21, you should Choose from among all the people competent men who are God-fearing, honest, and incorruptible. They can't be bought with money. To be their leaders in charge of thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. And normally they'll settle the people's disputes and they should bring you only the difficult cases, but ordinarily, ordinary matters, they should decide themselves. In this way, they'll make it easier for you and share the load with you. And if you do this, and God is directing you to do it. Do you see how definitive Jethro is in this speech? He's not hedging. He's saying, now if you do this, and I can tell you for sure, God wants you to do this. Then you will be able to endure. And all these people too will arrive at their destination peacefully. If they get worn out, Jethro understood, people will burn out. What if Moses burns out? And all of Israel is leaderless at that point. Can you imagine the disaster that would be? Whenever Israel starts uh, giving in to fear rather than faith, there's always a response associated with this. And that is, we want to go back to Egypt. We want to go back. And one of the greatest tasks that Moses has is to help the people get rid of that idea. Don't go back the way you came. Don't go back to what you came out of. And so Jethro says, you will be able to endure and all these people will arrive to their destination peacefully. Verse 24, Moses paid attention to his father-in-law's counsel and he did everything he said. Moses chose competent men from all Israel. He made them heads over the people in charge of thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. As a general rule, they settled the people's disputes. 
the difficult cases they brought to Moses, but every simple matter they decided themselves. Moses was trapped by the situation, but he was also trapped by his own solution. Moses thought it was obvious what he had to do, but he was, he was stuck. He was trapped in the wrong way. He was stuck in an unworkable and unsustainable way of life, and he needed his future to be unchained. And I say it that way because it's as if the future was held in prison and slavery somewhere else. And Moses couldn't even see his current situation clearly, much less what God had in mind for him. People give up, they burn out, they lose hope, they lose faith, they give in to fear. And all along they're saying, I have to do it this way. There's no other way, I can't change anything, I just have to keep going, I just have to accept it. But I tell you, that is fatalism, that's not faith. That is not the willingness to sacrifice in order to do the will of God because it's not obedience to what God has in mind. It's the kind of behavior that people give into when they're trapped in their own solutions and they've lost a sense of the future and they no longer have vision. Where there isn't vision, prophetic revelation about a person's future, the people perish. That's what happens. At that moment, Moses was not operating in God's plan for Israel or God's plan for him. And it wasn't sin, it was just short-sightedness. But it made him stuck. It's so important, if you find yourself in such a situation, to recognize it and get unstuck. God bless us by sending more Jethro's who can tell us what you're doing isn't good. Now one of the things that is the most common error among religious folk is this. It's to take one good thing and to elevate it above all other things, and to basically emphasize one part when you need a complex uh, solution. What's the greatest commandment? Clearly to love the Lord. But not only that, to love people, right? The first needs the second, the second needs the first. And one of the things we see in Yeshua is that he integrates these complexities. And what we see here with, with Moses is he has to integrate spirituality and practicality together. You can't just do one part. And some of us are trapped right now because we have separated the spiritual from the practical. And we're looking at solutions that only address one and not the other. Some people want miracles. Their entire financial plan is based on miracles. <laughs> I said that last night, two financial planners were like, oh. <laughs> Some people's entire health plan is based on miracles. Because it's a disintegration 
of the spiritual and the practical. They go together. Moses has to grasp this. Jethro does. And it's life-changing for Israel. But for Israel to really become Israel, it requires Moses becoming Moses. And Moses wasn't doing what Moses needed to be doing because he wasn't seeing things the way Moses needed to see it. He was just stuck in the solution he thought he had to have, but it wasn't the solution. It was a trap. Moses had to open his heart and hear that he needs a solution that addresses the spiritual side and it addresses the practical side. And when you do the two together, you can find solutions that would escape you if you only tried to look at one of those. If you're one of these people who prays about everything but does nothing, your life is is not integrated, it's disintegrated, and the manifestation will be your life disintegrates. If you're one of these people who always just works a little bit harder and then a little bit harder and a little bit longer and a little bit more, but you never stop to read the scriptures because you don't have time, and you don't have time to pray about your situations, you just work, 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 you also are disintegrated and your life will disintegrate. It will break apart. The wisdom of God and the call of God is clearly to bring together the spiritual and the practical and to unite them together. They both need each other. Now we won't have time to go into it, but I'll point you to a scripture that you can read for yourself. It's in Acts chapter six. And it's how the apostles embrace this idea because they also had problems in their community. We read that, that um, there were big problems between the Hebrew speakers and the Greek speakers, and the community was divided, and the needs of the hungry and poor weren't, and the widows were not being met effectively. But the apostles assessed the situation, and they had a clear view of who they were called to be. And so they said, we've got to solve this, and it's gonna take all of you helping. And we have to think about who can give leadership to this. We need people who are, who are trustworthy. We need people who have a good reputation. We need people who are filled with the Spirit of God. And we need to get them together so they can figure this out. And that's what happened. They appointed seven. The seven worked together in a spiritual and practical way. Do you see? And they solved the problems together. And then the scripture passage ends by saying, and the congregation grew rapidly. You see, the problem didn't stop anyone, but the apostles said, we know what we need to do. We need to help solve this, but we need to do it a certain way, and that's with you. We can't take it on ourselves without you. We do it together. And so we need leadership, help Take that responsibility. They understood that and they found solutions that way. It's a great lesson for all of us. Well, I wanna pray for everyone who's stuck in something unsustainable. Especially if you created the unsustainability. (laughs) 
I can tell you what, God can not only save you from your enemies, he can not only save you from the adversary, he can save you from yourself. He can rescue you from whatever you got yourself into. Somebody once said, today's solutions will create tomorrow's problems. I think it's true. I wanna see every one of us have our futures unchained. Unchain your future before it's too late. Or you can wait until it's too late. In which case, it'll all be over. And your life will not continue and the plans God had for you will not go well, and the fruit he wants you to bear and the impact he wants you to have will not happen because you lost the future God had in mind for you because your own sense of future was held in slavery somewhere else. So anybody here feel like there's no way out? Oh. <laughs> What an optimistic group. <laughs> if, if you felt like, I don't see what my future is, I don't know. If you need answers for yourself, if you can't see a way through, if you're stuck, I wanna pray for you that you can get unstuck. And if you don't mind standing so I know who I'm praying for, More than 40 years ago, I heard someone say, when you're stuck in a rut, remember this, a rut is a grave with both ends knocked out, and it just keeps going. <laughs> Lord, you're a God of mercy, and you do new things, and I pray for each man and each woman who's standing here right now who needs to get unstuck and untrapped who maybe is trapped in their own solutions and they've lost that awareness of the future you have in mind. And so I'm praying, Lord, open up their hearts and minds to see again, or to see even for the first time, how you see what's ahead for them. Let them see what you see, pour out chazon, prophetic vision and revelation. That they would see what you see and that they could say, Hineni, here I am, send me, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you know the future, you know the hopes and the plans you have, the plans for good and not for evil, not for destruction, not for burnout, not for despair, not for hopelessness, but good plans that you have for each one of us. Renew that hunger for a revelation of the future that you have. Let us see, Lord, how you see us, where you see us, what you see us doing. And then, Lord, send Jethro's to us, those who can see the simple steps we can take where we can't see it all. We pray this in the name of Yeshua. Amen. Amen. We're going to close with Aaron's blessing. And I want to invite you to join us next door at the Shalom Center for Coffee and fellowship. Oh, 
The Lord bless you. The Lord keep watch over you and guard you and protect you. The Lord cause the light of his face to shine upon you. The Lord be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his face to you and give you his peace in the name of Yeshua, the Prince of Peace. Amen. Shabbat shalom. Shabbat shalom. Shabbat shalom. <laughs>